Hey, we're Koi Fly Creative, and we're obsessed with all things production, marketing, business, and helping you navigate the life of a creative leader. We're here to unveil the more unexpected aspects of leadership. We don't stray away from the real talk. We go through it all with influential leaders from all walks of earth. So, pull up a seat and have your morning coffee with us. This is The Morning Cast. Here we are. Here we are, everyone. I can't hear Shelly. Hey, guys. This is so exciting. Oh, there we I'm go. So this is amazing. That music pumps me up. Welcome, everyone. I know. This is so fun. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, everyone um, who is joining us live. I know you guys all RSVP'd. Uh, we really appreciate your support, and we think this conversation is going to be really um, you know, really useful for a lot of different um, people in our audience. So thank you. I want to introduce myself. My name is Shelly and I'm the lead marketing strategist and I switched from coffee to water because I'm severely dehydrated. <laughs> I am Stacy, and what is in my coffee mug? I'm Dave. Uh, I am on like my fifth cup of coffee and I'm psyched to be here. Hey, I'm Leslie. I don't have any thank you, but I'm just like to be live. This is so fun. So thanks for joining. <laughs> hey, you guys. I'm Erin. I'm the associate producer at Koi Fly. I might also secretly have water in my coffee cup. Um, but again, welcome to the morning cast. We are going to be listening to and discussing Caroline Campana's interview with her, org her organization first up. Halfway through her interview, we're going to have an intermission to talk about our thoughts so far. And then after that, we'll listen to the second half of her interview. And then we're going to have a conclusion and talk about that part. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, this is awesome. Um, you know, it might look like we're on a Zoom call right now, but this is not Zoom. We are live. We're Koi Fly Live. And that's all being like pulled through by our technical director, Eric. Hello, Eric who is helping Yay. us out, you can't see him, but we can hear him and he can type to us so we know what's happening out there. Um, but the difference really between Zoom and what we're doing right now is that there's a lot of pre-production work that happens. As you can see, we've got this beautiful orange background that we put in here, we can brand it. And it's something that we're really offering our clients right now as sort of you know, a remedy to Zoom fatigue. So, um, so it's exciting. I'm so glad you guys can be here. Thank you, Shelly and Aaron, who did this, put this whole thing together in one week. Um, yeah. it's, it's work, but it's fun. And here we are. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is really exciting. I, I don't know. We might, we might get a little, a, uh, might get a little comment from, from Eric from up above. He's like the technical director God. So his voice might pop in. We'll see. We'll see if he makes an appearance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think today, Erin, um, you gave a really um, short summary of what we're going to talk about. But Stacey, I kind of want to push it back to you to, you know, kind of discuss why you wanted to interview Caroline, what the interview was about, what you got out of it, and why you think, you know, it's so important for people to know this information. Well, you know, today here in, if you're in Philadelphia with us, like the daycares just opened up today, I believe. Um, and, you know, kids are sending their kids back to, I mean, parents are sending their kids back to school, um, either daycare or regular preschool. So I thought it would be kind of a good idea to talk to Caroline because that's what she does. 
she helps and advocates for preschools and elementary education, you know, all over the country, probably at this point, but mostly within the Pennsylvania area. Um, and she's really bright and brilliant. And I thought that she'd be a great person to discuss like what it's going to be like when your kids go back to school. I know we're all trepidatious about our children, especially with what's happening right now. So we talk a lot about that. Um, but also she's just a really great person. She's been my friend for years. Our kids play baseball together and I knew she'd be a fun interview. I yeah, love it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm psyched. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, I for me and Dave over here, I don't know if you guys know or if any of you that are watching have worked with us before, Dave and I do have two younger kids. So this is a super hot topic for the both of us. You know, what, because this is so novel, because we have some information, but then that information changes based off of new information every day, it's really hard to feel comfortable sending these pieces of your heart into you know, potential danger or not potential danger. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to hearing this. I have been absorbing every piece of content possible to see what the right decision is. So I'm pumped. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, what to look out for, what to look forward to, and, you know, just kind of how to approach things because everything is one day at a time right now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to this. It's going to be good. Nice. It's going to be good. Um, Chelsea? Yeah, no, I think we should get started without further ado, if that's cool with you guys. Oh, let's do it. All right. I'm in. Dave? Yeah, Roll let's watch it. it. Introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, my name is Caroline Campana. Um, I work for a nonprofit organization in Philadelphia called First Up, um, where our mission is to ensure that all children ages birth through age eight uh, receive quality early childhood education. And my role there is the director of uh, workforce development and professional development. And I make sure that uh, teachers have opportunities to build career pathways um, to higher education um, for credentials. Um, because we know that a qualified teacher can really provide a qualified education to an uh, early, you know, a young child. Awesome. So we uh, provide uh, lots of different services, advocacy for the field, coaching, technical assistance. Um, we really are taking the lead uh, in the field of early childhood education and we're kind of um, have a lot of staff that are very knowledgeable in the field and work with teachers and in programs uh, throughout southeastern Pennsylvania. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and I was, we were talking about this before, but what do you think your job, like how has it changed as a result of COVID? Like what's, what's. Really, it's changed um, dr dramatically. Um, obviously all early childhood centers have uh, been, have to close and children are home with their parents. Um, a lot of small business owners cannot afford to reopen. So there's gonna be a lot of early childhood centers that will not reopen. Um, all the teachers across the state of Pennsylvania, most of them have been laid off. Um, and unfortunately, it's such an undervalued feel that these uh, teachers who are degreed teachers um, are making more on unemployment than they do 
in the classroom. And so getting them to come back to build that workforce as we slowly start opening during uh, hopefully the yellow phase that Pennsylvania will go into, it's going to be a real challenge to get uh, teachers to come back and put themselves back into those classrooms with all of the new uh, parameters that are going to be in place with social distancing and wearing masks and hand washing and putting themselves at risk. So it's, it's a big crisis right now um, in the field of early childhood education. What are you guys thinking in terms of getting them back? Do you have plans and ideas about how to bring them back? Because I've heard that from other places too, like, you know, unemployment is, and what it's, is it more than 26 weeks now or is it just 26 yeah. weeks or... Yeah, it ends in July where they were for right now, um, unless, you know, funding changes. Um, but yeah, so we've been working very closely. Our organization, First Up, has create, created a website the first week that this all happened. We have a whole COVID-19 resource um, page. You know, it's firstup.org backslash COVID-19. Um, my staff has been incredible within the first 24 hours of this. They, uh, we worked 24 hours in getting an online learning platform up so that we could be able to reach out to all of the teachers and have them continue with their um, professional development. Um, and to this date, it's, we've been doing uh, four to six trainings a day. We've trained over 18,000 teachers across the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. That is huge and I'm super proud 18, of that. 18,000 teachers? 18,000 teachers incredible. across the, the state of Pennsylvania and our region being in Philadelphia we really service all of the schools that are in the southeast part Philadelphia and the surrounding counties um, but our webinars have gotten such high attention and we've gotten a lot of support from uh, Harrisburg in what we're doing um, that it's just taken off and so it's taken off across this across the state and we're very proud of that because we are offering them for free because we want to be able to give back um, and we want to be able to help support them with trauma so we've been doing a lot of trauma trainings a lot of curriculum training so while all these teachers at home they can start thinking about different things that they can do in the classroom when they go back We've done self-care, um, we've done social and emotional trainings. I mean, it's just been wild, very exciting and wild. Were you guys doing webinars before this thing happened? Like, was um, it something that you guys did? So you were, like, how did you, how you transition? Was it a pivot or was it just something you guys did? It definitely was a pivot, a pivot. Um, we do training on, you know, in-person training. So when yeah. a school has an in-service day, we're there doing training for staff. Um, we are all certified trainers through the state of Pennsylvania and also offer Act 48 credits is what uh, degree teachers need to maintain their certification. Um, so we do on-site training and we were doing a little bit of webinars, but not nothing like what we are doing now, which has been really exciting. Um, and I, we just, it was, it, my funny story is about two weeks before all this happened, we got Zoom and we didn't get it because of this. <laughs> wow. We got it because I wanted this platform to be able to deliver more interactive professional development because our organization does not lecture. That is not how we uh, teach. So we teach through engagement. So I loved the Zoom platform because everybody can be engaged. And so I literally trained my staff one week before this happened. And so we were extremely fortunate to now have Zoom because now obviously like everyone else, yeah. everyone in our organization is on Zoom all day <laughs> doing yes. meetings, 
and collaborations and everything. So it was you're on the really, cutting edge. Totally I honest. guess so. I'm not <laughs> usually, but this time I definitely was. So like when you say uh, the places that you're working with, would it be like, like, what are some names that we would know of? Would it be like the Malvern School or the, you know, are there like, just we do have a contract with the Malvern schools and we do provide all of their professional development throughout the state of Pennsylvania, not their New Jersey schools, but their um, uh, Pennsylvania yeah. schools. Um, mostly all privately owned schools, which are the schools that are struggling right now. Um, so pretty much anybody that is in early childhood, we, we help uh, serve. In addition to working with uh, college students and apprentices that attend Delaware County Community College and Community College of Philadelphia, we do a lot of work uh, with them as well. Um, we also do work in all of the, the Philly um, pre-K sites. Um, and so we do work in a lot of different programs throughout the city in the southeastern Pennsylvania. How much training do you need to have to be an early childhood teacher? Like, do you have to? That's a great question. <laughs> so it really depends. To be what we would call a lead teacher, there's different um, varying uh, degrees. So there's something called a CDA, which is a child development associate degree. Um, and so what we're trying to do is right now build this pipeline to take those teachers that have that CDA and they can take those credits and they can roll them right into a associate's degree program at CCP and Delaware County where we are, but at many uh, uh, universities across the state of Pennsylvania, and we have developed an apprenticeship program. So these teachers are working full time. Um, they are getting credit for on the job learning. It's all connected within uh, the state system and through NACI uh, competencies, which is the national organization for early childhood. Um, so we've been doing a lot of work with that, which has been great. And now we build a pipeline where uh, we've had apprentices that have graduated with their associate's degree and they're going right into our first four year degree program at Arcadia University and it's all online. Um, and what's great about being an apprentice is that you're getting a lot of support. It's completely funded. So they are graduating with no student debt. Which amazing. Is huge. Yep. And they receive coaching uh, throughout it. So our organization um, sponsors mentors and our staff works with the coaches who are master wow. teachers in the program. Well, I've never even heard of this. And this is amazing. They support the apprentice. So they're like the on-site, uh, you know, teacher and coach really supporting. Um, because a lot of these students are non-traditional students and it's been a while since they've been in school. So they need that extra encouragement and cheerleading and, and knowledge. So it's just been a phenomenal um, program and it's gone statewide. It's now become the it's now become a registered apprenticeship program through the throughout the whole state. We have five hubs across the state of Pennsylvania that are participating and each each semester more schools are joining in. So it's been really exciting. God. Do you have to have a degree to be an early childhood teacher? Like this is, or does what you guys are doing, does that help people make more money at it? Maybe? It does help them with being an apprenticeship. There is a wage increase. And in so that's like the motivation that the higher up, you know, you're, you're, you will have that wage increase. Um, and different schools have different um, uh, kind of credentials, but to be a head teacher in a classroom, to be a lead teacher, you do have to have um, some degrees. Um, and the state of Pennsylvania, is really looking to, to um, kind of change the field and really have more qualified educated teachers in the early childhood field. That's amazing. So like, what about like what you do? Because I don't know a lot about what you do. Like I'm <laughs> learning, I'm catching up. Like it's been a while since I've seen you, Caroline. But um, what, is, what about 
what you do is, is something that people don't know. Like what, you know, what's something, or even just early childhood or however you want to explain it. Like, what do I not know that I need to know like right now? Um, so I, I work um, as, a, as a, I guess, a technical assistance and work uh, with the higher eds across the state, certain higher eds and helping them establish these apprenticeship programs um, and get them set up and, and all the guidelines and, and help them recruit and get people in. Um, and our organization, um, with myself taking the lead, we've created the coaching um, training that the entire state has adapted for the apprenticeship program. Um, so we are, um, have trained over 100 uh, people across the state, including some higher ed staff, which has been super fun in a, in a strength-based coaching model. Um, and so now we're working to bring that online and we're building a platform um, called the Coaching Companion with all of the partners across the state where they'll be able to do online coaching, which now is going to be very uh, useful. Yeah. Um, because as we move forward, as a lot of these schools open, we're not going to be able to get into those schools because they're just going to be having, you know, children and families will be in the schools. They're not going to want outside visitors. So we're, our virtual work is going to continue probably for the next year. So we're, we're already aligned for it. And so it's very exciting. Oh my God. That's, yeah. that's, that's insane. What, what are you hearing from like teachers that they need? Like, because... You know, we want um, to help. I don't think people know what they need to do. I know we spoke to one teacher who wanted to get more, would love to have some more positive feedback from parents yeah. because I don't think, I think they're on like what they're doing right now. It's not like they're not working. Right. They're, you know, they're trying to, you know, help out, you know, yeah. kids however they can. And they want There's to There's a lot of schools whose teachers are running, uh, you know, story time hours during the day, circle time during the day trying to engage with families, trying to support families, trying to give parents activities to do with their children. So they really are really dedicated to the field. Unfortunately, it's a very um, like un undeserving field. Teachers in this field do not get paid a lot. And I think that's going to be a challenge moving forward um, about, you know, right now they're laid off and they're making more on unemployment than they do when they're in the classroom. Um, there's definitely a need for initial stimulus money for the field right now. So being an advocate and getting out there. And, and I think that's the one thing that parents could really do is really start advocating for the field. Um, I'm thinking that parents now see what teachers deal with on a daily basis. Right. Um, now that they've had their children home, it's not easy. Um, you know, and unfortunately, there's a lot of children who probably school was their safe place. And I worry the most about them who yeah. have been home in unsafe environments and the trauma that they've experienced. And now they're gonna hopefully come back to us, but what trauma have they you know, experienced? And now they're coming back into a classroom where their teacher is gonna be wearing a mask. So how do those interactions happen? That can be scary for young children. I'm concerned about that. Um, you know, young children learn language from facial expressions and facial interactions. And so if your teachers are all wearing masks, how are infant and toddlers gonna build on their language? So that is you know, a huge concern. So there's a lot of things that are that are teachers need to start um, thinking about, and we are developing trainings for that. Um, you know, interactions behind the mask where we're, we're, we're asking teachers to draw smiley faces on their masks, 
to maybe wear a picture of themselves on themselves so that the child can rec you know, recognize them and feel comfortable, to make sure that they're animated when they're talking and that their eyes are open. You know, they really need to make that extra step and I don't know if, if everyone's ready for that yet. Yeah. And then the stresses of social distancing children in a classroom. How do you do that? You know, children love each other. In, in early childhood, we love wow. to hug our babies. How is that yeah. possible? Like, are kids, are children going to be wearing masks too? Um, that's an option. There's no, the CDC is is not. There, you know, there's no hard hard line of that. But you know, some programs are are choosing that. Some are not. They're not recommending them for under children un, children under the age of two because of you know respiratory issues. But you know, children are not. We know children are not. Yeah. I don't even like to keep a mask on. How so do you how do you keep a mask on all day? Yeah. Like, how is that yeah. possible? So I don't know if, if schools are necessarily going to have children wearing masks, but I know that their staff will be wearing masks. Um, you know, we're still trying to navigate it. We're still just trying to, you know, get into that. We've been supporting a lot of business owners and directors who are, you know, trying to get procedures and policies into place to actually just reopen. Um, so I don't know if they've gotten to that next step of, okay, so now what happens in the classroom? And how are we keeping children apart? And how are we social distancing? And how are we interacting? And how are we dealing with the trauma? And how are we gonna make sure that, that social and emotional learning is happening when we're social distancing and wearing masks? So there's a lot that needs to happen. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of pressure on these teachers in addition to taking temperatures of children, you know, reporting if children are not feeling well and, and trying to maintain all that and washing hands all day. We all know how hard it is to get our own children to wash hands. So think about taking a group of, of 10 children and getting them to wash their hands constantly throughout the day. So it's, it's going to be a lot, but I, I'm, I'm really um, you know, hopeful that we have so many dedicated um, teachers and directors and owners that are in this field and are good at what they do that they will figure it out, but it's gonna take time. And I think parents really need to be, you know, aware of that and, and, and understanding of that. Like, so if I'm a parent and I have a kid who's going into early childhood education during this time, and you know how we were, I mean, oh my God, yes. like, you know, like even when the kids are playing baseball when they were like little, like it's like, cause our kids played baseball together. Um, yeah. I can't imagine like going into this world right now and being afraid. There are people who aren't afraid, you know, yeah. but there are a lot of people who are really afraid of this virus what could happen so what should i be thinking if i'm that parent right now like how can i either feel good about sending my child or you know or stay myself in terms of like the like do i need to wait for a vaccine like what like what are you thinking like what think there's a lot of people out there that don't have the choice they're essential workers or they 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 can't not go back to work so some of these parents don't have a choice and i think we need to acknowledge that so there is going to be that fear and, and nervousness and i think we all need to be open to that um, understanding that it's stressful for parents it's stressful for children it's going to be stressful for teachers and i think we need to partner and know that we're all in this together and we'll figure it out together I think making sure that your child is healthy before you bring them to school, making sure that you're healthy before you bring them to the school, and you know, making sure that you're abiding by all of the, the regulations that the CDC recommends and also really respecting whatever uh, policies and procedures in the individual schools put into place. 
and being there to support the teachers and understand that it's going to be a while before we kind of get into figuring it all out, but know that everybody that is in this field is there because they love children, um, that they really see the, the, the importance of a quality early childhood education, and they want to support families, and they want you know, to give that safe haven for children so that you could feel comfortable leaving them and going off to work. Beautiful, such a good perspective. Do you think that there'll be like, maybe like a remote option or something for parents, will there be some sort of a technological difference? Like, are you telling the schools you're working with, like maybe you need to be trained on, you know, like there might always be some sort of a remote option for those parents that are scared or the kids who have like compromised immune systems or like, are we looking at sort of a new world in terms of that or? You know, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think everybody, every school is going to be different. They have different um, families that they service. They're in different parts of the city, different parts of the suburbs. So it's really going to be kind of intentional for the, the community that they serve on what they do. Um, you know, a lot of them are doing some online. Others are closed because we have to remember that a lot of these teachers have been laid off, so they're not working. Um, but then there's some other state funded programs that teachers are still getting paid and they are doing a lot of Zoom and, and things. But if you think about a, a young child's attention span, they're not, they're not going to be too engaged for too long. So there's not, you know, there's only a small window of opportunity to reach them. Um, and so I think that that is something to be said as well. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? And if you like have a little crystal ball, because I don't even know if you know, but maybe you do know, because you have sort of an inside scoop. We'll see. Um, what do you think is going to be happening in the fall, winter, summer? Like, do you have any idea or are there plans for that in terms of early childhood? I think right now, uh, most of our, you know, uh, programs that we're working with are just following the CDC recommendations and, this, okay. and, and our state system, um, Ockdale, the Office of Early Childhood, um, is following the CDC recommendations. There's a lot of supports out there. Um, I know that our organization, like I said earlier, has a huge website with lots of supports and we're doing a lot of work with training of staff. We are also providing uh, financial uh, uh, coaching for business owners to understand what that means. What is it gonna look like when you reopen? Because there's a, there's a cost to this, right? We need to buy more soap, more, more, <laughs> more paper towels. Um, we need to get masks. We need to some schools, the teachers are gonna be wearing gowns. How do you wash that? I was on a call today where somebody says, I don't have a washer and dryer in my program. So now I'm gonna to have to buy that because they want everybody to wash their, their outer clothing during, at some point during the day. So there's a big cost. Uh, for these uh, business owners to open. So we're just trying to support um, and make them aware of what resources are out there um, and really connecting a lot of people. I will say, if anything, there's been such a great connection um, with the field over this. Um, I, When we were starting our webinars and training, a lot of teachers were writing in and we've just gotten amazing feedback that they were so grateful that we were doing it, not because they necessarily wanted to learn something, of course they were, but because they, it happened so fast, they had to, they didn't get to say goodbye to their children, they didn't get to say goodbye to their families or their coworkers, and they just kind of were lost. And a lot of us were lost at the beginning in this this uh, pandemic. So finding that community for them to get together 
to talk with other teachers, to hear what other people are doing really made them feel like they were still connected to their position. So I think that that was just huge. And I think just creating that support has been, has really been something that I'm taking away from this of how important that is to have those communities. Wow. Welcome back, guys. Yeah. Yeah, such a great interview so far. She really covers everything, like everything, yeah. all of my questions that I've had about it. I feel like it's an interesting perspective, right? Because, like, you know, we look at it one way, but she's looking at, as an administrator for these preschool teachers. And um, gosh, it's like, it was kind of mind blowing for me. Yeah, I think for me, there's such an element of trust that has completely changed because gone are the days and we've all done it where your kid has a low grade fever and you pop them with some Tylenol and you send them in like, sorry, I've definitely done that because you've been so busy and you have so much to do. You have to trust that nobody's going to do that anymore. And so for the essential workers that have to send their kids in, it's so refreshing to hear all of the different trainings and the different creative options that they've really had to come up with in order to keep these children safe. But I will say like the number two reason aside from like our fear of infection, and we're so lucky that we can make this decision to reevaluate in the fall is that, yeah, you know, knowing that our teachers were going to not be able to truly, you know, facially interact with our kids or, hug them when they were sad or that, that really kind of kept us like, ah, maybe we should just keep them for the summer and we'll reassess in September, which sucks because then a lot of people are probably doing that. And then the windfall happens and I could go on. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, it's also, Rosanna, yeah. oh. no, R Rosanna actually, um, message us in our in our chat on Vimeo. So definitely anyone who's on Vimeo or Facebook, definitely leave some chats, um, leave, leave some comments, leave some questions, we can answer them live. But she says that it's such a great service. Many of our owner operators background are in education, not business at first up. Um, so they struggle with grant writing and budgeting. So this resource has been a blessing. So uh, I'm glad we can we can kind of share this, awesome. this message guys. But Dave, what were you going to say? Oh, I'm just, I was going to say, I think it's really interesting all the precautions that teachers are going to have to take. <clears throat> and, you know, it's tough to think about because like my kids want to go outside and pick up rocks and find bugs. And, you know, kids, when they're all together, yeah. they want to do that too. And it's how, how are teachers going to be able to monitor all that? So it is, I mean, there's a lot to think about. It's also a lot to think about how to talk about these things with kids um and that's mm -hmm. one of the things that you know this summer is going to be all about is figuring out how do we discuss the next steps with you know kids who aren't really you know they know there's something going on but they don't know exactly what um so i think this is a really interesting resource and i think they're doing really great and i can't wait to hear more me too cool let's do it all right dave oh, it's all you So how do they find you? Like, how do they get in touch with you and find you? Like, um, do you find them? Like, how do these schools? Yeah. So we have, um, we, we have a website. It's just firstup.org. 
Um, anybody can email me. It's just my first name. It's caroline.campana at firstup.org. Um, I can connect anybody to any resources they need, even if they want to do some advocacy uh, work for us, which would be great and so just tell take me, tell some action that. steps. What's the advocacy work that you guys do? Um, or that we they work very closely with uh, what people can do. So we on our website, we have a link to Save Early Learning in PA, which um, is, takes you less than a five minutes to, it's already a pre-generated form. You, you put in your information, it'll connect you to your legislator in your area and you can send a letter. Um, I think that's really important. Um, we've had parents um, and teachers writing letters to editors um, in their communities, um, getting out the importance of early uh, childhood learning and, and what it means. Um, there's definitely a need for initial stimulus money. It's going to run out. We need money for the field. Um, we need supports to put into place so that all of these business owners can reopen so that we can provide uh, care for these children as everyone slowly returns back to work. Um, so there's definitely a lot that can be done. How did that start? And if anybody needs help, they can come and contact me and I'll connect them to the right people. I know you will. Um, yeah, we'll put up, we'll put up like all your website stuff on the, on the podcast. So okay. Can take a peek. But, um, Great. How, how did you get started? Like what was this, is this a newer type of organization or has this been around forever? Cause I don't remember ever having this option when my kids were little, especially with you. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm going Caroline right now. Yeah. Organize. <laughs> yeah. Our organization has been around for 50 years. We started out. Um, as an AEYC, which is an affiliate of the National Organization, which is NACI in Washington, D.C., the National Association for the Education of Young Children. And so we were the Philadelphia affiliate. Um, and then over a couple of years ago, the national um, organization um, kind of changed their format and they didn't need so many affiliates um, in the state. So we still are a chapter of an AEYC affiliate, which is called PENACI. Um, but we became our, our own organization first up, still doing the same great work, still supporting NACI and everything that it stands for, um, but really just out there making sure that um, all these little children, all these early childhood children all have access to great quality early childhood education in a safe environment. So like, what do you do every day? Like, what's your daily, because you're, you're a mom, like you're a mom, You've, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, we're all going through this too. You know what I mean? You're going through this as well. So like, what's your day now? I mean, it's like 500 Zoom calls. Like what, like what? Yes, are you I, I definitely um, spent a lot of time on Zoom. So I thought at first, oh, this will be great when I work at home because I can wear my pajamas and I don't have to, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm on yep. Zoom all day. Yep. Um, so really I um, have lots of different, I wear a lot of different hats. So I am on our leadership team. So I'm working with the rest of the leaders in our organization to see what we're doing and, and keep, every, you know, keep everything afloat and be out there and being innovative and collaborative um, and, 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 and kind of always working uh, three steps ahead. Um, I have a large team that works for me in various projects, so managing all of the various projects and supporting and making sure my team is really um, taking care of themselves, because I think self-care is really important now, because I think it's really hard to differentiate when to stop working when you're working from home 24 uh, you know, hours a day, totally uh, which I'm guilty of. Um, so supporting my team, being a leader and a mentor for them. Um, managing all of the various projects that are happening, which is great. Um, building this massive uh, online learning <laughs> platform and webinar and working with Yeah, well, 
working with my team to get these webinars out, uh, but then working on a, a platform, um, a couple of different platforms we're building for uh, work moving forward to do coaching, virtual coaching in the classrooms when we can't get back in. Um, and then I work um, with a lot of people that work for the state and through the apprenticeship program. So lots of calls with the state, lots of calls with higher ed um, and building what's next. Do you, which um, is very fun. That's so fun. So do you do uh, the marketing as well for the group? Cause you know, we're marketing geeks, Koi Fly, right? You know, so we I know. find out like- I, I used to. <laughs> I used to, but with the growth of our organization over the last three years, I am super excited that we have hired a communications person, <laughs> which we have needed for a very long time. So she's been um, a huge, huge support. And again, with our growth in our social media marketing, um, and building um, all of these um, ideas and, and, and advocacy. We are leading um, calls each week um, for the Southeast region and keeping everybody abreast and updated every Tuesday from nine to 11. There's a, uh, something called a CPAC call and there was, there's over 300 people on these calls and that's where all the information is coming. Different leaders in the field are working together to build systems as we start to reopen and think about what that's going to look like and share resources. Um, so it's been, it's just been amazing. It's just really been amazing. There's a lot of good that has come out of this. Um, and I'm hoping it really sheds a light on the field. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot that you have to be proud of. I know you've talked about a bunch of stuff, but if there's one thing that you could say that you're the most proud of through this process, what is it? Um, well, our organization has become the lead um, in supporting the field um, in southeastern Pennsylvania um, and now across the state, which is huge. Um, I cannot believe how our staff has come together and what an amazing group of people that work for First Up and what they've accomplished and what they've done and how resilient they've been through this and how everybody has reached out and has is doing different projects to help support the field, whether it's having community of practices for tr about trauma and having families involved in that and teachers and directors to doing webinars and training to doing coaching for some schools that have still stayed open, supporting those schools that had waivers and are open and have been open through this whole time to then are advocating for what the field needs and pulling together all the big leaders to provide resources for um, everyone in the field. I am most proud of, of that, of our organization and just how we've come together and taken the lead in the field, which has been great. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you're definitely part, part of that charge because you're, I'm sure, an inspirational leader. And that's one of the reasons I, I, why I like to hope so. Yeah, one of the reasons why I want to talk yeah. to you because I know you're inspirational because I just know you. Um, uh, well, thank you. And then like, so my question is though, what do you think, like what part of your leadership style, like what makes you, you, like what makes you, cause I've talked to a lot of people during this time. There's a lot of people that are really, really down. Like, and I almost see like this sparkle in your eye, like when you talk. Yeah, about, no. So what makes you stay up and positive and like. Um, I think innovation and, and, and kind of being two steps ahead and thinking about what does this field need? How can I help and what do they need and coming up of ways to reach them? And then also mentoring my staff and lifting them up and really helping them achieve their, their own prefer, you know, personal goals and professional development. And we've been able to do that. A lot of my uh, staff has taken on new projects that they never thought that they would be able to 
do and they, they're doing them extremely well. So just kind of lifting up um, the art, the staff that work for me or within our organization has been amazing. I love being a leader. I love being a mentor. I love helping people reach their goals um, and really collaboration and, and innovation and creativity. So it's, that's been just amazing. We've had this opportunity to do it because nobody knows what we're doing right now. <laughs> we're just trying to figure it all out. Yeah. So to be able to do it, do it well and be successful at it has really just been amazing. Like, are you just a natural leader? Like, did, like what, you know, like, because you started off, like, how many years ago, how many years have you been there? Um, I've been at First Up for nine years. Um, I have spent time as my, uh, you know, owning my own company and being a consultant in Chester County. Um, I've been a teacher. I have worked in public school. I have worked in early childhood centers. Um, I was a director for uh, the Goddard School for many years. Um, so I think just making sure, I, it, it all really, if you take it all, it all comes down just to making sure that uh, children really get a, a quality early, early start in their education. Um, I, my platform is all about social and emotional learning because I know that um, from birth to five is when all of those social skills are being built and they don't necessarily teach those once you get to elementary school. And so for all those children who are struggling in elementary school and, and middle school, I wanna kind of get them at the beginning and build those skills so that they're confident learners and that they're successful in their education. And if they have some learning disabilities or speech that we make sure that we get them evaluated so that we can take care of all of that before they head into kindergarten so that they're ready to go. Um, and I, that's what I did my thesis on in my master's degree. So that's really kind of where it all starts, you know? But now I'm, I'm working in a bigger area where I'm, I'm educating teachers and having them understand that and building a pipeline for them to reach their education goals and, and making sure that they're great teachers in the classroom for these children. Wow. That's, That's where it all starts. Just really for the children, but there's so many layers to that. So it just all starts from like your love of and passion for early childhood education, basically. Yeah, and for Which education I, in general. I had forgotten, or I mean, I think we talked about that you were at the Goddard School for 12 years. That makes perfect sense. So you get it yeah. inside and out. Yeah. You, yeah. So yeah. And you know, my, my undergrad isn't, I'm an actually a, a certified elementary school teacher. <laughs> like, I did that. Yeah. But I really, my heart is in early childhood because I want to get them while, they're, where they, while their brains are developing and build all these skills that they're gonna to need to be successful learners and make them confident because we know that confident children take risks and we need children to take risks to be able to learn. So I wanted to be a part of that before they get to the elementary school. So that's kind of where my career shifted. And are you seeing that? Like, are you able to, like, are, do you feel the satisfaction that like the teachers are coming to you and you're explaining stuff to them and you can yes. see the fact that there's a light bulb sometimes going off with people like, that's oh, yes. Teachable moment. Yeah. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Is yeah. So I, my, like I said earlier, my platform is uh, social emotional learning and that's what I love to teach on. I've teaching, I've taught um, some social and emotional learning courses through uh, the University of Pennsylvania. Um, and I, I have never seen such a change in my students and what they took back to their schools. Um, and I had one director take my class and she went back and completely changed her entire school out in Newtown Square um, to be able to just focus on the social and emotional piece. And when she did that, her teachers got educated on 
challenging behaviors and understanding about the importance of building relationships that their um, all the challenging behaviors that they were having with the children diminished because they were reaching the social and emotional needs and not just focusing on strong, hard academics. That's not what these children need. They need the social and emotional piece first um, and those connections and great interactions and building trust and building relationships with their, with their teachers. Um, and that learning will come, but we have to build those skills first. So that was huge for me. And then that's just through my work at First Up, I've really done a lot with building some systems um, on those challenging behavior trainings, social and emotional trainings, um, which has been really exciting. How do you teach that? How do you teach a teacher how to be social and emotional, you know, how to teach social and emotional skills? Like, how do you know that that teacher is gonna have the capacity? Because what if they don't, like, I'm not saying- That's right. I mean, I would say most- You're right, trauma. We have to understand our own trauma. Yeah, so how do we you have do to that? Be able to um, we have to understand our own trauma. We teach, um, um, we have an understanding of how uh, adult learners learn. Um, so we're certified in that. So we know the different avenues to take. Um, but also, we also have a lot of staff that understand how people that have experienced trauma learn differently. Um, so reaching them in that capacity. Um, and you know, building on building those relationships, we do a lot of strength-based coaching within our work. We're all trained in strength-based coaching, so we all know the importance of building relationship and bringing out the strengths of people. So once you build that relationship and really point out all the strengths and all of the great things that they're doing and building that trust, you can see the shift happening. Um, and when they start understanding about the importance of relationships and how that changes and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all of the needs need to be met before anything, you know, and some of these children don't even have the first need, which is like, you know, safety and, and, and that health piece. So it's just kind of getting them around to understand. And, and we do a lot of mindfulness training and we put mindfulness into all of our webinars. We start and, and definitely in the courses that we teach to get people to be present and a lot of self-reflection, <laughs> a lot of self-reflection. That's awesome. Opportunities to get people to really start thinking about it. That's awesome. And I've taken yoga classes where like the teacher will say, you know, so you learned this in your breathing classes, right? And being sarcastic because you never, no one has breathing classes or mindfulness classes or presence classes. But it sounds like you guys are kind of tapping into that, which is awesome. hundred percent. Oh yeah. We, and we, we, we have, uh, trainers that are certified in yoga <laughs> and mindfulness and trauma so we we have all of those pieces it's such a good world if we could get that in such an early age i know you're gonna you're gonna make it happen yeah but there's a lot for, that you're totally proud of but are there times like when you're like uh you know give us the vulnerable caroline like what yeah. like what are the times when like even super successful person like you is like because people like to hear these stories you know like you know sometimes things go south and how how do i build myself back up and get to the next level um so that's a great question and to be honest with you it, it really takes a lot for me to get down because i try to stay positive and anything that negative happens you know i try to look at it as a self-reflection of like to try to understand it what can we do differently how can we approach it differently um but i think what frustrates me the most is just how undervalued um, the, this profession is in early childhood, and that is really where I can really get frustrated and angry 
um, when you have teachers that are working nine and 10 hour days, making $10 an hour, and they are teaching children, they are caring for children, they're dealing with challenging behaviors, they're, they're, they are nurses, they are doctors, they are therapists, they're educators. I mean, there's just so much in early childhood. Whereas at public school, you know, in, in, in higher education, there's a lot of more supports. Early childhood centers don't have nurses and, and, and specials, and these teachers don't get breaks. You know, they get a lunch break and that's it. And so just the under, how undervalued and underpaid can really get me down. But I know that we just have to keep fighting. Um, we have to keep offering um, like a great things for these teachers, like apprenticeship where they can go to school and, and get a fully funded, uh, you know, degree and support them in that way. Um, and just really being there to help them learn and grow within themselves. Um, but it, it, is, it, it, it can be hard to, to think about what these teachers do on a daily basis and how undervalued they are because they're not babysitters. And I think that is the most frustrating thing because oh. I don't think anybody sits on babies. So they're not babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Well, you you know, say they're not, you know, and I use a term, they're not lifeguards. They're not just sitting there watching children play and making sure that they're not okay. They're educating them. They're teaching them so much curriculum, that social and emotional piece, problem solving. There's so much that happens in that day that I wish that everybody could have a, you know, a, a different lens on what happens throughout the day in an early childhood center. And so that gets you down sometimes when you... It when you does, it does. But I just keep fighting. I just keep then, fighting. Yeah. I'm very passionate about it. So and then you're like, maybe think like sometimes like when in my mind, like when this whole thing first happened, I was like, okay, all right, well, I, I was in the fetal position, like no doubt about it. I'm like, what's gonna be happening now? Like, is everything just gonna shut down? Like, I have no idea. I have no boss. I have no one to tell me what to do. Yeah. And so like what my brain does is like, okay, well, what, you know, it starts to like create like a puzzle and like, how can I put pieces together to try and like, yeah make it work and that, I don't know if that's like overcompensating. So I'm like working really hard to do that. So I'm not thinking about the bad stuff. But that's kind of how I sort of like buoy myself. Yeah, I, I guess my personality is I'm a problem solver, so I just want to fix things. <laughs> so yep. um, when I knew that this was happening, I was just kind of really thinking about what is the, the field going to need? How can we support? Um, and I knew by creating online webinars that that was going to be a way to reach, um, to build community, to reach people, to help people build their skills. Um, and, to, and actually to keep my staff working and giving them uh, something to be excited about. So there's a lot of components that go into play, you know, keeping an organization afloat, um, keeping staff employees, you know, making sure we're helping, doing what we need to be, seeing what's out there and seeing how we can make a difference. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And I'm just, um, I guess, stubborn and, and not gonna let it get me down. <laughs> Ooh, you're not gonna get me down. Not going to let me down. That's awesome. So what's like, you think the message that you want to get out, like how can people help your industry? You said, you know, sign like, yeah, yeah. I think most importantly, as we transition back and it's going to be a, a big transition. So we, as we transition back into these daily routines, I ask people to take some time to think about um, helping and giving back you know, um, whether that's volunteering, is it advocating, is it sitting on a board of an organization? Um, you know, we have a large, we have a phenomenal board um, at First Up, um, lots of different players that have helped with the success of our organization, but really just thinking about giving back um, and to think outside of yourself 
um, because there's a lot of us that have a lot to be thankful for and have a lot to be grateful for. Um, and I think just taking something away from this opportunity that we've had, I like to call it oh, an opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> Love it. Is to give back and make a difference. And you know, it can be a little difference or it could be a big difference. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that more people will kind of think that way uh, moving forward. Are you a nonprofit? Are you? Yeah. So you typically donate? Absolutely. We do. Yeah. Um, we usually have a fall fundraiser. <laughs> We're not having that this year um, where we, you know, and we do take donations and we do have great donors um, and great partners and, and great uh, businesses that support us. But yes, we definitely um, are nonprofit. We should talk about um, your fall fundraiser because like you, sh you could go live or you go on. Have you thought about I going online or? Yeah, I think at this point, our organization really um, is in a, a place to support the field and with a field that has really lose, lost a lot of funds and right. a lot of money. And we have businesses that are closing that we don't need to ask for money this year. We'd rather support and give back. Um, but that doesn't mean that next year <laughs> we won't have a fundraiser. Right, right. Um, you know, Unless it's channels and some of the money. Yeah, it's our champions event. Um, and we usually honor, um, you know, somebody that has made a great impact in the field. We've, we've, you know, we've had Mayor Kenny one year as our award winner. Um, you know, last year, Vanguard, that we do a lot of work with Vanguard. Um, they were our, our recipients. So, yeah, we have a lot. Um, we have a lot to give back, but I think this year we're going to focus on just making sure that this field survives this pandemic. And how are you guys going to do that just by supporting the webinars, the advocacy? Supporting, um, doing financial coaching, um, advocating, um, providing support when, when teachers are back in, coaching, informational every for all the information we can get assessments on how to open checklists on how you know working with the state just kind of really collaborating with all of our partners um to really try to make this as as easy as we can i don't you know we don't we don't know what we don't know so just trying to kind of be ahead of the curve wow you're amazing uh, i work for an amazing organization and i'm surrounded by an amazing amazing colleagues and coworkers that blow me away every day with their knowledge and their passion and their desire to help. So it's been, it's been a wild ride, but it's been a great ride. <laughs> I'm going to watch you for the rest of your ride. Um, because okay. You're only going to go to greater and greater places. And I feel honored to know you. Uh, I feel the same about you. You're doing such good things. Thank you everyone for listening to today's morning cast. We loved having our morning coffee with you. Woo! Nice! Welcome back, guys. Yo, education is key. We have to fund appropriately our teachers and our educators and our organizations. I mean, this is this has to happen. We have to reallocate funds to our education system that will get us out of this cultural hole that we're in. Like, honestly, we have to, we have to do it. And what they're doing is such a massive undertaking that really my biggest takeaway from all of this, I mean, my sister's a teacher, so obviously I'm very passionate about this, but you know, what they're doing to help our children, every teacher, every school, every organization, like first up, like they have been doing this with grace and compassion. And I can, all I can say is thank you to all of you.
because you care about our kids as much as we do. And that's all you can hope for as a parent. So we have to fund our teachers. Yeah, I totally agree that's with it. that. I love how she talks about how we can support the field right now. I also love how she talks about um, the social and emotional learning aspect of all of it and how it's just as important as textbook academics. Um, you know, I think it's huge that they're helping teachers mm -hmm. build these skills to teach children this, especially during during this time through like Zoom and webinars. That's huge. So it's all about helping them notice their strengths and their needs, which might normally go unnoticed during early childhood education. Totally, totally agree, Erin. And I think like, you know, I know Caroline and she is such a compassionate human being and a teacher at heart. So she wants to support the schools however she can. And I really feel like, you know, early childhood learning is probably not given enough credit for who we are today. And even, you know, the way the world is right now, and obviously we've seen so many difficult things happen in terms of systemic racism. And I've, I just heard um, Obama speaking this week, and it was an old snippet from years ago, where he talked about how we could actually help to change the way people feel about systemic racism if we start in early education. Um, yes. So it's such yes. an important, important, important place for um, for us to sort of concentrate on. And um, you know, I'm I'm really hoping that um, these schools stay alive, and I'm going to do what I can to support them. I know you guys will too. Yeah, was, uh, for sure. I, a huge takeaway was how passionate and um, both Caroline and First Up seem to be about uh, the developmental learning. Um, as a father of a three-year-old, um, right now, you know, her only interactions are with very limited people, and you know, you think about that all the time. Is like what is she missing out in these years right now due to all of this? And, you know, as a parent, and I know teachers are working hard, it's just really important to, you know, stay on them and teach them and teach them compassion and teach them human interaction, um, especially at this age. So I, I'm really happy to know that there are people like her and her, her organization that are, you know, working so diligently and hard to keep that going. Agreed. Great interview, Stace. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Stacey. Yeah. All right. Well, definitely everyone cool. keep well, tuning in. Right, Shell? Yeah. If anyone, anyone out there listening right now, definitely please subscribe to the Morning Cast on Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Spotify, all the different places, and make sure to press that little um, notification button just so you know when we're going live next. And we have different kinds of conversations with um, you know unexpected leaders in our community. So thank you everyone for joining us today. And I guess we're signing off. Thank you, teachers. Thank you, educators. Thank you, teachers. Thank you. Thank you. We're not worthy. Bye, guys. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's morning cast. We loved having our morning coffee with you. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and turn that notification button on to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Until then, keep hustling and pour yourself another cup of joe. <laughs>